I will read at this time the first 17 verses of John 15. I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as if I have kept the Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for this servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. You know, because of the rather easy understanding of trees and vines. This is a passage that sometimes we lift out all by itself 
and because, uh, you know, we know that everybody understands how a branch is hooked to a tree or a, a branch is hooked to a vine, and, and we can make some kind of easy applications here. And that may be okay, but it, it seems to me it's very important that we look at this in the context that we find it, in the context that apparently Jesus put it in. He was the speaker here, and, and we see, uh, and what I'm saying here is what he said in the chapter or two before this. We call them chapters. Uh, Jesus didn't call them chapters. Uh, it's okay if we have chapters in our Bible. It makes it a lot easier, of course, to, to find passages. That, that's okay. But um, we need to look at this in, in its context. Um, and yet, before I say more about that, I, I will say more about that if you give me just a moment. But let's, let's consider... Um, this word abide and remain and continue that we just read. Now, we have the word abide in these verses that I just read. We have it nine times. We have the word continue one time. We have the word remain two times. All, that's 12, that's 12 different times or word, 12 different times uh, Three words, total of 12 times there that I just mentioned. All of them in the Greek were, are one word. One word in the Greek. Three words just in these 17 verses in the English. Abide, remain, continue. Now, for just a, a dictionary-type uh, meaning of these words, or, or of a dictionary-type meaning in, in English of this, Greek, of this one Greek word, I'll just say it this way. I jotted this down. The meaning would be this. To stay in a given place, or state, or relation, to abide to continue, to dwell, endure, be present, remain, tarry. <clears throat> now why did Jesus say that, that word? And he, uh, he didn't say it in the Greek, I don't think, but anyway, the, the New Testament was first written in its completion in the Greek language. Um, <clears throat> but, but why, why uh, did he say that word uh, with that type of meaning uh, so many times here in, in a short passage? Well, I said <clears throat> you need to look at it in its context. What do we have in the chapter before? And even uh, mentioned a time or two before, before chapter 14. And what I'm referring to is not uh, the very beginning of chapter 14, which many of you could say by memory, but 
down more in the middle of chapter 14, and like I say, in, in some places uh, uh, before this. And that is, he was talking to them about the fact that he is leaving but someone would come to be with them. Okay? So uh, I said not the beginning of chapter 14, but yeah, his leaving part <laughs> is in the beginning of chapter 14. I was thinking more about the, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, when I said the middle of chapter 14. Um, so you can imagine. You can imagine. Now he's been ministering with these 12 apostles, disciples, ministering closely with them, relating closely with them for about three years, close to it. And he's starting to tell them that he's going to leave. And we realize from, from reading, you know, they asked questions. They, they, they didn't quite understand what all this was about, what this was all about. But he's telling them, he's got to tell them, he wants to tell them that that he's not going to always be with them in, in the flesh. But he's making ample provision for them. And he called it the comforter. And he called it the Holy Spirit. And just because he was saying it to them in so many words, something new like this, naturally being humans, they, they couldn't and they didn't comprehend it totally right on the spot and right then and there. And so I believe when he gets to chapter, what we call chapter 15 here, he's just describing in more detail what this thing is about this comforter and this Holy Spirit that will be with them and in them. He's saying it in chapter 15 here in another way to help them understand. If you would just look back, you might not even have to turn your page. But uh, chapter 13, verse 33. Chapter 13, verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Wow. What's he say? He said, I'm not going to be with you very long. And I already suggested, you know, they're thinking, you know, and, and the fact that he was telling them this, you know, and, and here's just an example of what I just already said. I'm, I'm not going to be with you very long. What? You, you can imagine if you were, were one of the, those 12 that had ministered with him, what are you saying, Jesus? I mean, how are we going to handle this? Verse 33 again, little children, yet a little while, and I am, I am with you only a little while. Ye shall seek me, and I, as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you. Wow. Look at verse 36. Verse 36. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Now in chapter 14. I'm just showing you a few verses here 
to, to verify what, what I'm saying, you know, what I'm saying or have said about the fact that he said he's leaving, but he's going to make provision for them in a different, in another way, another form. So in chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. He, he knew they were troubled by telling them that he's leaving. He knew they were troubled by them saying, I'm not going to be with you very much longer. Now, verses 18, 19, 20 of chapter, chapter 14, beginning at verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Now there's a verse that we shouldn't just read over quickly. We should look at it in its context and think of, try to put your place in the, in the place of one of the twelve apostles and, and then read verse 20. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and especially this last phrase, and ye in me and I in you. So he's saying, wait, wait, twelve apostles. I'm not actually going to leave. Just my body's going to leave. Just me and the physical is going to leave. But you're going to be in me and I'm going to be in you. I mean, how close is that? <laughs> Verse 27. Peace. I leave with you. Wow. Wow. I mean, that had to make them almost cry. They're, they're so troubled, they don't understand how he can leave and, and what this is going to mean when he does leave. And they're probably all worked up inside. And he knew they were because he used the word comforter. Comforter. I'm going to comfort you. And then, then he said, wait a minute. And also, you can have peace. You can have peace in all this. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And so you, you could take that and, and talk about peace for a while, which, which we won't, but I'll just make this comment. He said, I, 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 I'm going to give you a peace. I can give you a peace that you don't even, I mean, it's so peaceable you don't even understand. I'm not talking about peace from war, like between two countries. No, it's, it's way beyond that. Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. That's not what I'm talking about, men. I mean, I'm talking about my peace I'm going to give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And with that said, and, and this comforter, and this being in you, and ye and me, and so forth, with that said, we have then what he said in, in chapter 15. Uh, about a closeness 
that yes, you understand because you know how close a branch is to a vine. You know how locked in a branch is to a, to a trunk of a tree. And that's exactly the illustration he used here. I mean, we might as well ask this question right now, and that is, is that you and Jesus? Is that you and Jesus? Are, are you and Jesus just like that? I mean, and it's, it's called the Holy Spirit. It works in and through our lives and hearts. That we just have communion with him. He's in us. We're, 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 we're tight together. So let's look at these verses a little bit. Verse 1, he said, my father, chapter 15 now, my father is the husbandman. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. I am the genuine, I'm the real vine. <laughs> and my father is the husband, or my father is the, is the gardener, or the, the caretaker. Um, He, he certainly, Jesus certainly had the Father's real care as he ministered on this, on this earth. As he walked on this earth, in this, in this old ugly world, this old sinful world, as he walked here, as he humbled himself and came down and walked among us for over 30 years, uh, his Father certainly gave him this, the earthly care he needed. Then in verse 2, every branch in me, he said, I'm divine, and so there's branches in me. And, and he was talking to those that were close with him, that followed him. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, that's interesting. Um, You don't, uh, you don't discipline the dead branches. <laughs> you just throw them in the fire. <laughs> I mean, you don't mess with them. <laughs> you don't waste your time on the dead branches. <clears throat> you take some time with the good ones and make them even better. Is that what's happening with you and, and the Lord? You're allowing him to take time with you and to prune you and to purge you to make you more fruitful. Every branch in me, verse 2, that beareth fruit see that's, that's a good profitable branches but what does he do to those branches? He purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit, or prunes it, or cleans it. Verse 3, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. That's a little short verse, verse 3 there. But, uh, uh, you know, apply it to your own life, and, and, and look at what it's saying. Ye are clean. He, he was saying to these, to these 12 that were sitting there listening to him, Ye are clean or ye are pruned. Uh, I'm working in you to improve you. How? Through the word. 
And so it's fair to ask the question, what are you allowing the word to do to you? Are you allowing the word to work in and through you to make you a more fruitful man or woman or child? Um, you can't do it your own way. You can't do the pruning the way you think it should be done. Uh, you have to allow the word to prune you. And the word is God and the, God is the word and the word is Jesus and Jesus is the word. And if you forgot that, look in the first chapter of, <laughs> of John. <clears throat> you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. That's an important verse. All of them are important. Maybe that's not the best way to say it. Maybe, maybe that, since it's so short, it might be a little one to uh, put up on your, on your mirror or your refrigerator or something to remind us that the word, as we stay close to the word, as we obey the word, by the way, he's, we use commandment here a few times, as I already read, as we stay close to his commandments and close to the word and, and obey the word, then uh, we can be clean also. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. Um, when we, this 12 times, I already said the word, the Greek word is in here 12 times, just in these 17 verses. When we come to that, don't just read over it. Uh, and we might have a tendency to because it's here in here so many times, 12 times, abide nine times, you know, but don't, don't just read over. Think about what it means. It means a, a real connection that I can't explain. How is a branch connected to a grapevine or a branch connected to a fruit tree? I mean, it's so connected that you, you can't, I don't think you could even take a magnifying glass and see where, where the separation is because there's no separation. It's just kind of growed out of it and, and it, it's all one piece of wood. And, and you can't determine where where their connection is. That's how close and tight it is. Abide. That's what it means. Stay that close. Be that close. Be that connected. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Disciples, he was saying, just because I'm leaving physically doesn't mean that you have to stop being fruitful. In fact, you can be more fruitful, actually. You can be more profitable. Just because I'm leaving physically doesn't mean there's going to be a disconnect. In fact, he, he, he said earlier on um, that it would, they would do greater works with the Holy Spirit in their lives as compared to him being with them physically. Or as con contrasted to that. Verse 5, I am the vine and ye are the branches. If, he, if they hadn't got it yet, he's saying it again. <laughs> I'm the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me. In my Bible, I have the that little two-letter word in, I-N, underlined. Because... 
I mean, that's so important. He that abideth, not, be, not just kind of close beside me, not just kind of like we're bumping shoulders once in a while. No, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For separated from me, apart from that, without me, ye can do nothing. And if you just want to make that real easy to understand, just go up here to where a neighbor cut some limbs off his fruit trees and they're laying out there on the ground. Uh, we'll just watch it for a while through the spring and see how many buds it puts on. There's branches laying on the ground. You know? We'll watch it for a while, see how many peaches or apples grow on them this summer. You know, Well, all of you know the answer. Jesus said that. But he didn't mean an apple tree or a grapevine. He meant him and us. For without me ye can do nothing. Now this is what he said in verse 6. And I, you know, um, don't ask me too many questions and I won't give you too many wrong answers. But this is what verse 6 says. If a man abide not in me, he, cast, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And the men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now all of us can understand that physically and literally in, in, in pruning trees or vines. I mean, but you could say it at least this way in a general way. Uh, without the salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ, then we will all die and we will go to hell and be burned. And we're not looking at the subject of hell and burning and death, but, but I mean, that's in verse 6. <clears throat> so... At least it's saying that we have to be connected to Jesus, and, and we call that salvation in just a short form right now. Um, and apart from that, uh, we're lost sinners. And the Bible says there's hell for, for those. Verse 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you. Uh, we already talked about the word word, okay? It was in verse 3. The importance of the word. But he uses it again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. See, it's not just how we might try to describe it or think about it or, or figure it out or, or think this is what it means. No, it's his words or it's wrong. It's his words, it's his way, it's his commandments or we die. If ye abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, there's various places where Jesus talked about prayer and about uh, the promises of prayer. And again, we don't have time to go into those details uh, this morning. But... Uh, he says, we just read verse 7, and look at the end of verse 16. The end of verse 16, he so, says something similar. 
that whatsoever ye shall ask in the ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So this thing of praying in both verses, it's conditional. And that is when we're so close to Jesus and so close to God and so devoted to him and want his way more than anything else, then our prayers will be not selfish prayers, but our prayers will be prayers that are the same as his prayers. Our thinking will be the thinking that are the same as his thinking. And we'll want the same thing. And that's just one way to put it in, in short. Uh, but when his will is our will, uh, then uh, we're together in our prayers, in our thinking, in our desires. And God answers those kind of prayers. <clears throat> now, he gets back to the fruit. And by the way, in, in case you didn't think about it, um, at least three times here, he has a... Uh, adjective before the word fruit. Children, you know anything about adjectives? Do y'all ever study adjectives in Ebenezer Mennonite school? Yeah, okay. Um, but, but in verse 2, more fruit. In verse 5, much fruit. In verse 8, much fruit. And so if the neighbor up here uh, or Brother James would just get a little bit of fruit, you know, one or two peaches off of a tree, one or two apples off the tree, they would be disappointed. Well, that's fruit, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. But according to what I'm reading here and these adjectives that Jesus put in front of the word fruit, uh, he'll be disappointed too if we just produce one or two apples or peaches. You know? Verse 8 Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. It seems like that much fruit in the middle of verse 8 says something about the end of the verse, does it not? And maybe if we have time, I might talk about that a little later. Verse 9, as my Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Now that's a lot of love. <laughs> that's a lot of love. <laughs> you want to know how you should love? Uh, you want to know how you should absorb and take in love? Well, it's a lot to take in. <laughs> it's a lot to absorb. I, I mean, we, we, the grace of God in our lives is way more than we deserve. <laughs> But that's our God and that's our Jesus. <clears throat> Verse 10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, do you want an example to how, how to live? <laughs> you want an example? Jesus gave you his own example right there. Is that okay? Well, yes, it's okay, and it should be. We should let Jesus be our perfect example. And um, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, 
And let me show you an example he said next. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, if we live like that, if we live by allowing his Holy Spirit, his comforter to live in us, allow his peace to, to wash in and through us, uh, live like, a, like, a, like a, a living vine and branch, um, allow his words to work in and through us, to clean us up, to keep us clean, then verse 11 can be a, a reality. Is it in your life this morning? Is it in mine? I mean, that's, that's what Jesus wants for us. Verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So I have to say two things about the joy there. Verse 11. That my joy, how much joy is that? How, how much joy can God give? How much joy can, can, can Jesus give? He's not talking about the world's joy. He's not talking about worldly happiness, worldly bliss or something. He's talking about his joy. I mean, that's perfect joy. That my joy, I have in my Bible the word joy underlined, but I should pull out my pen right now and underline my. <laughs> we talked about adjectives already. What kind of joy? Jesus' joy. I mean, there can't be anything better. That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be just so-so. <laughs> and that your joy may be half full. No? Well, you know what the verse says. That your joy may be full. Wow. I mean, we can be like that. We can live like that. We can feel that way. Verse 12 and 13. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Well, how much was that? Well, it says it in the next verse, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Wow. I'm, I, I'm sure like we've said other times about other passages and about other things, after Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven, some of these words that he said, you know they just jumped out at him like, like never before. Some of the things that they could not understand, I'm sure they said, well, of course. That's exactly what he said. Well, why didn't we understand? Now we understand. And look at the end of verse 13. That little verse, but the end of it. He gave, th this is how it's going to happen. This is how, how 
love really is. If you're willing to give up yourself, to lay down your life, to give up yourself for the good of someone else. And, of course, what I just said is the fact that they saw Jesus do that. And then they understood. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. I didn't count, but um, the word uh, command, he uses a number of times in this little passage. And he says, he gives other commands, makes other statements that we should do and follow and obey without using the word command. So uh, it would be interesting just to count how many times he says in, in this passage we should, we should do this or we should obey his commands, that kind of thing. <laughs> And then we have verses um, 15 and 16 and 17, of course. Well, he, he, he brings out this word friends in verse 14. Uh, you're my friends. Uh, if you want to do some homework, you know, some extra credit or something, uh, uh, just he used the word friends there. He used the word friends in the next verse. Um, to, you know, maybe look into the Greek to see, you know, why he used that word and what it really means in the Greek or, or so forth. You're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, but the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I call you friends. <laughs> Is this passage about a close relationship? Well, if that's what we've been saying all along. And he's describing it yet in another way right here. You're not like a servant and, and, and you're out there doing your work and, and, and I'm not telling you what's going on here in the house. You're just supposed to do your thing and I'll do mine. No, 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 it's not like that, he's saying. It's not like that. We're friends and we know what's going on in the lives of each other. In verse 16... That, I mean, don't, don't overlook the first part. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And we sing that song, and we won't look at it this morning, but, you know, it's in our book. I sought the Lord, but afterward I realized that he was first seeking me. That's our Jesus. That's our God. If it would have been up to us, we would have kept on going our own sinful way. But he reached down first to get us. I have not chosen, ye have not chosen me, verse 16, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. Not, not fruit that just, uh, you know, you... It, you produce it today and it's rotten tomorrow. You produce it today and, and then that's it for the season. <laughs> no, no, no. It's different. And that fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask. I already talked about the end of the verse. About prayer. And he ends this little section that we're looking at. Verse 17. These things I command you that you love one another. That, that thing of... of 
Why was he going over this thing and emphasizing also in this passage this thing of loving one another? Probably because when he was here in physical, in the body, he was keeping them together, okay? He, he, he was straightening, straightening out their arguments. He, he was sometimes straightening out their fussing. He was, he was keeping things in order. He knew full well that when he left physically, there would likely, because they were human beings, have some problems between themselves. These things I command you, that ye love one another, as he had said a few times already in the passage. This love between each other is going to be so important. <clears throat> I jotted down seven things here. <clears throat> They're the results of abiding in Christ. Results of abiding in Christ. Let's look at them quickly. Of course... One of the results is fruitfulness, of course. That's one of the main things he's talking about. It's in verse 2, it's in verse 5. Fruitfulness, result of abiding in Christ. Another result of abiding in Christ is being cleansed from sin. Verse 3, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You're so close to the word. You're saying yea and amen to the word. You're obeying the word. The word has cleaned you up. Or cleansed from sin. Another result of abiding in Christ is answered prayer. Verse 7, in the end of verse 16. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. Answered prayer is a result of abiding in Christ. Number four, the fourth thing that we have here result, as a result of abiding in Christ is it, it glorifies God. Abiding in Christ glorifies God. Uh, beginning of verse 8, herein is my Father glorified. And the end of verse 8 is number 5. The fifth result of abiding in Christ is assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation. The end of verse 8. So shall ye be my disciples. He didn't say, you might be my disciples. You're either my disciples, you will be, you are, or not. It's not a halfway thing here. So shall ye be my disciples. Assurance of salvation. A sixth result of abiding in Christ is, um, you might say, mutual, a mutual love relationship. That's in verses 9 and 10. I won't read them. We, we looked at them. You, you see them there, verse 9 and 10. A mutual love relationship. Is a result of abiding in Christ. And number seven, the seventh result of abiding in Christ is, of course, in verse 11, joy. Joy. We could ask three questions, and I won't take much time with these, but uh, how do we remain in Christ? How do we remain in Christ? Various times, I just said it a while ago, various times he talks about commandments. Staying close to his word, obeying his word, doing this and doing that. 
We do it his way or, or we don't remain or we don't abide. And how can we love as Christ loved? And I said something about that. He gave an example, laying down our lives, giving up ourselves, that's loving as Christ loved. And another question yet, just what is the fruit? This fruit we're talking about, just what is it? I mean, it, it means real fruit. Now, of course, by that, I don't mean, it doesn't mean real peaches or real apples or real grapes. I, I'm not saying it, but it means real fruit. The Bible said the fruit of the Spirit is, in Galatians, love, joy, peace, and so forth. That's part of it. That's real fruit. That's real fruit. It's fruit, fruit means production. It means profitableness to God and his kingdom. It's real fruit. As we close, I'd just like for you to read with me just one, one of these verses we looked at. If you would uh, uh, just read with me this one verse, and then we'll have a song. Um, but it's verse 5, chapter 15, verse 5. If you'll just read it uh, with me, please, at this time. Ready? I am the vine... Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Turning your songbooks to number uh, 304. Number 304. Thou true vine. I'm going to read the words and then Joe's going to come and we'll sing it together. Thou true vine that heals the nations. Tree of life, thy branches we. They who leave thee fade and wither. None bear fruit except in thee. Cleanse us, make us sane and simple. Till we merge our lives in thine. Gain ourselves in thee, the vintage. Give ourselves through thee, the vine. Nothing can we do without thee. On thy life depends each one. If we keep thy words and love thee, all we ask for shall be done. May we, loving one another, radiant in thy light abide. So through us, made fruitful by thee, shall our God be glorified. Shall we, Joe, shall you come and lead the song, please? <clears throat>